Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. everyone listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever the hell you're listening. Before we get into it, I'd like you to all rate me five stars. It's the least you can do. Um, these free episodes are obviously a great way for me to get my little podcast out there. So if you could support me just by giving me a five star rating on Apple or on Spotify, that'd be really, really great. Thank you so much. Uh, this month, we are doing another one of our off script hot takes. And um, this is a segment where I speak about kind of whatever I want, something that might have been in the news over the last month, something that I've been just mulling over in my little pea brain. And this month we are talking about Marilyn Monroe, Kim Kardashian, the Met Gala. I know it was at the start of May and I know we're coming into June now, but it's a conversation that I think can be had at any time because it was iconic. It was controversial. Um, It brought in a lot of questions around art history, pop culture, replication. I know we spoke a little bit about I believe it was um last month's off script hot take we spoke about Baudrillard and simulacra and simulation and his theories can be applied a lot to Kim Kardashian that is something that I was introduced to by one of our guests this week but we'll get into that shortly before we delve into it I obviously would like to shout out my Patreon account to everyone who is listening who is not a yet a patron Patreon is where I do weekly episodes. We have so much content over there. I've done 45 episodes. We've done loads of streams. This May, we have covered some really great stuff. So I did an episode about the Rockefellers and the DuPonts, who are two of the most powerful and influential old money families in America. They actually have a link to this week's episode, uh, being that they built their wealth and their empires during the Gilded Age, which happened to be the theme of the Met Gala. We also spoke about the Heaven's Gate cult. So that was a fascinating, fascinating episode. Heaven's Gate were a cult that began in the 70s and ended up in the largest mass suicide on US soil in the 90s. It's fascinating. There are so many strange rabbit holes to go down with that one. We're talking castration, internalized homophobia, and just really taking another look into cults and cult mentality and how the most normal intelligent people that you could meet are actually the most susceptible to a cult, which is something that I learned. We also have done two live streams all about the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard case. I did one recap after Johnny Depp's testimony. I did another recap last week on Amber Heard's testimony, cross-examination and redirect. We 
really did a deep dive into it. I know that case has a lot of content to it and it's hard to keep up. So if you want a nice 90 minute synopsis of each side, that is where to go get it. Six euro a month, loads of great episodes coming up next month, all with true crime, conspiracy, the usual stuff. So go join there if it is something you might be interested in. This week, as I mentioned, we are talking about the dress. Who owns a dress? Does a culture own a dress? Or does a person own a dress? As I mentioned, the theme of the Met Gala that we are all aware of now was gilded glamour, okay? And we saw a lot of misinterpretations of this, which is nothing new for the Met Gala. Um, But the gilded age was actually between 1870 and 1900. And I bring this up because of the link that we spoke about with the Rockefellers and the DuPonts, this era within fashion and within culture in America was really actually quite controversial because it was a time where the average person in America was living in poverty. There was wealth in America and there was a lot of it. For example, J.D. Rockefeller became the world's first billionaire during this era. But the majority of people were out working on in coal mines, working on oil rigs, highly dangerous jobs with not a lot of profit. The Gilded Age became known as this era where the disparity of wealth became so evident in a place that is, you know, was known to be the new world where anyone could make it. And I think that's a funny parallel when you look at what the Met Gala and the discourse around the Met Gala has been over the past, I'm going to say five, six years, but specifically post-pandemic. We have these, you know, elites, so to speak, billionaires, millionaires, you know, we've everyone from Elon Musk there all the way down to Billie Eilish. And they are wearing these priceless couture gowns at tables that are rumored to cost a quarter of a million dollars, obviously behind the veil or under the veil of uh, fundraising for this iconic museum in America. And the Met Gala is one of the most iconic museums in the world. If you ever get a chance to go there, do. It's absolutely amazing. But I thought that was an interesting uh, little segue into the episode. Mark Twain was actually who coined the term the Gilded Age and he named it so because the summer houses of a lot of these families were gilded in gold. They had so much money, they were gilding their damn walls in gold. So Kim Kardashian wore Marilyn Monroe's iconic 1962 Jean-Louis gown. It's no secret. I don't need to give you the preface of it. We're all aware of what happened on the first Monday of May 2022. It was rumoured for a long time before it became a reality right in front of our little noses. And it really got me thinking, who owns a dress? Who does own a dress specifically after someone has passed? Does it become a piece of the culture? Does it become synonymous only with that person? And is it disrespectful for someone else to wear it? Are they attempting to put themselves on the same level as the person they are, in a sense, replicating? I tried to look in, had this been done before? Do we have a lot of instances where a new celebrity, an up-and-coming celebrity, will wear the exact dress of an A-lister? Obviously, it hasn't been done to this extent whatsoever. We're going to get into what it means for someone to wear Marilyn's dress and what it 
probably meant for Kim to wear a dress of this magnitude. I came across some very small scale examples. A lot of homages which we're completely bored of frankly at this point. We have Katy Perry and Riff Raff turning up to the VMAs in replica costumes that Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake wore and in a way that is also them kind of saying you know are we the new it couple? We are the new pop it couple. We have Bretman Rock who wore a dress that uh, Aaliyah wore to the VMAs before. Kaya Gerber at the 2019 Met Gala wore a beautiful rendition, a remake of a stunning Dior gown that Bianca Jagger wore. But we never really had anything of the magnitude of wearing such an iconic dress again by another iconic woman. If any of you have watched the documentary The First Monday in May, you will know that a huge focus of this documentary is placing fashion as art. And it's such a controversial argument within the art world. Is fashion art or is fashion costume? They are very much segregated in the world of art. If the Met Gala as an institution is making this argument, which in a sense they are for the Met Gala because you will know that they display beautiful dresses and artifacts from the theme alongside the regular collection of the Met Gala as part of the fundraiser. We then have to ask the question, should we be treating fashion like fine art? A dress like this dress, a priceless piece, the most expensive dress actually that has ever been sold, should that be walked down a red carpet and worn by another person? The history of Marilyn Monroe in this dress obviously is iconic in and of itself. It's not her only famous dress. There are many, many looks of Marilyn Monroe. We've got the beautiful costumes from Gentlemen Prefer Blonde, specifically when she sang Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. We have the iconic white dress which flew above her waist for the seven-year itch, allegedly causing a huge argument with her then-husband, Joe DiMaggio. But this Jean-Louis dress was another era of Marilyn. It wasn't just Marilyn the movie star. It was Marilyn the seasoned professional. Unfortunately, at the twilight of her life, unbeknownst to her and the rest of the world, singing happy birthday to possibly one of the most controversial presidents politically in the last hundred years, while his wife was nowhere to be seen, in a skin-tight beaded gown, made specifically to fit like a second skin. This was Marilyn Monroe's political era. It was her putting herself in the forefront of the American psyche. There was no bigger event than JFK's birthday event at Madison Square Garden. And she is really the most famous part about it. There was other huge people performing that night, but we all think of Marilyn. The dress itself was sketched by another iconic designer Bob Mackie and then obviously made by Jean-Louis. It was sold for $4.8 million at Julian's auctions in 2016 and acquired by Ripley's Believe It or Not. And to this day, as I said, it holds the record for being the most expensive dress sold at auction. Ripley's Believe It or Not know the iconography that this dress holds with their vice president Edward Meyer saying, we believe this is the most iconic piece of pop culture that there is. Is it a piece of pop culture or is it a piece of art? That's something that I've been mulling over in my head. What makes art art, right? It's made by someone iconic. It has cultural and political significance. It could be a marker of a time, a marker of an era. And oftentimes art has been owned by hugely powerful people. 
And then it gets re-owned or rehomed or put into, you know, these big collections. So you can see that as a similar mapping of this dress. It was once owned by Marilyn Monroe and worn by her and made for her, like, say, a lot of art would have been back in the Renaissance when the Medici family were patrons of the arts getting these incredible monumental and historical pieces of art made for their own collection that then end up in the hands of the public. I'd been following the discourse around this dress for a long time before I decided to do this episode. And as a fan of Marilyn Monroe, a huge fan, I've been a fan of Marilyn for my whole life. I was very interested in what some of the collectors and Marilyn fans online had to say about Kim wearing this dress. I knew they would be annoyed. I knew it would be controversial. But I also knew that I had to hear from one of them to give the perspective of someone who has dedicated a lot of their life and finances to owning a piece of Marilyn. I got in touch with Scott Fortner from the Marilyn Monroe Collection, who actually owns the world's largest private collection of Marilyn Monroe's property and archives, to get what he thinks about this controversial, but albeit monumental moment in fashion and Hollywood history. My name is Scott Fortner. I'm a memorabilia collector, specifically around Marilyn Monroe. I've been collecting for about the last 20 years or so, and today probably have the largest private collection of Marilyn Monroe memorabilia and personal property in the world. Um, And by private, I mean a single, I'm not an organization or an entity that has purchased for a museum or, or whatnot. I'm just a private individual and a fan um, who's been collecting for over two decades now. What were your initial thoughts when first you heard the rumors that Kim might be wearing the dress and then when you actually saw it in real time happening? Well, it was a little bit difficult to even process the fact that Ripley's would allow somebody to wear this gown that they had paid close to $5 million for um, $5 million for one dress. And I was having a conversation with somebody recently who said, well, remember Ripley's is an attraction. They're not a museum. So they're not looking at the artifacts, I think in the same way that other people might be looking at them. It's an investment. And, you know, I was behind the gentleman who was working for Ripley's at the time at the auction in 2016, I sat right behind the gentleman who put the winning bid on the dress. And the thought occurred to me in that instant that the gown had just transitioned pretty much from a national treasure to an asset. Mm. Um, I was excited that Ripley's had purchased it. And what that meant was that it would be displayed. It would be shown to the public. It wouldn't be hidden away in a private collection like it had been since 1999. At the same time, it never occurred to me that somebody, anybody would be allowed to wear the dress. So I did have a bit of a early notice that it actually was happening. Um, Of course, I'd read the reports that she'd been seen at Ripley's in Orlando. um, And so, of course, that lent itself to the possibility that it actually could be happening. But um, I actually know people who know her personally. And and so I did know in advance that it actually was going to be happening. It wasn't just a rumor. So it wasn't a super big shock for you. But I'm sure it was still seeing it, I'd say, moving on a red carpet must have been quite shocking for you. And as a collector, I could imagine you were probably internally screaming at how delicate that piece is. Yeah. Well, the interesting that I noticed immediately was how uncomfortable she looked. She was not owning the look the way that people do when they're super confident with what's happening on a red carpet. 
Um, look at Blake Lively and how she just, you know, stole the show with her incredible gown. And she owned that moment. Um, I think when you saw Kim Kardashian, and I would encourage people to go back and look at the footage, I've actually uploaded footage on my Instagram and Facebook account. You can see that she's not all that comfortable. Um, and of course, at that moment, we didn't realize, although I suspected, because it just seemed a little odd to me that she was wearing a fur jacket down around her elbows and not over her shoulders. I suspected at that moment that she actually didn't have the dress totally fastened in the rear. <clears throat> and of course, it's it's come to be that um, technically she didn't fit into the dress because the back of it was unable to be zipped. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, so as someone who's a collector of, obviously, as you said, like the largest private collection of Marilyn Monroe's uh, assets and even amazing collection, like, do you feel after this, there should be maybe a conversation around like conserving these kind of amazing artifacts and, mm -hmm. you know, protection around them being used for kind of public publicity in a way? Well, that's happened. Really just take a look at the news. Many uh, conservationists, uh, museum professionals, curators, costume designers, people in the industry directly or more indirectly have, have commented on how inappropriate it was to be wearing a costume. And of course, I was quoted in People magazine. Mm -hmm about you know the fact that this dress was custom made for Marilyn. And so you've got the issue of this particular dress for Marilyn Monroe specifically. And then just in general, the concept of, of, of conserving these amazing pieces, some of which um, are very important just as part of pop culture in general. But yeah, there definitely needs to be a conversation. And I think you know if anything came out of this, it's it's brought new light and awareness to the fact that there are certain um, practices uh, and, and procedures that should be followed as, as people are caring for and protecting these types of, of, of garments, uh, film costumes, personal dresses. I mean, this gown itself is very fragile to begin with. I mean, I always was under the impression it would never be removed from the dress form that it had been on for basically since it sold at Christie's yeah. in 1999. Um, so yeah, it was it was very shocking to see um, to see it being worn. What would you say to people? Because I've been having this conversation back and forth with a couple of people. What would you say to people who say, "Oh, it's just a dress, and you know we should be able to like recelebrate these things in pop culture"? Like, why is this specific piece? Would you relate to people who think that so important to the Marilyn Monroe community and so important to kind of be a relic of its time? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it represents many different aspects of pop culture, of American culture, of political culture, of Hollywood culture. You know, it was this amazing moment on May 19th, 1962, when Marilyn came out and took off her fur coat. And basically she was just, Adelaide Stevenson said she was skin and beads, you know, when she was on stage. And she sang the most incredible rendition of Happy Birthday that no one had ever heard it sung that way. Um, and contrary to popular belief, she actually did rehearse it. You know, there's all these rumors and stories of how she was um, intoxicated or she was running from her dressing room and that's why she was out of breath. And, you know, the truth is she rehearsed it that way. She knew exactly what she was doing. She pretty much held the country in the palm of her hand as she sang Happy Birthday to the President of the United States. And of course, even at that time, there were some rumors that there was a relationship there, um, even back in the 19, um, early 1960s. And so it just kind of represents this moment in, in, in American history. 
add to that the fact that the dress itself is is really a piece of art. It was designed and created by Jean-Louis specifically for Marilyn Monroe to wear. She stood naked as they cut the pattern to her body. That dress really fit her like a second skin. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't have been worn by anybody else. The mere fact that somebody else donned the gown stressed the fabric, stressed the seams. You can't say that the dress wasn't damaged or harmed because the dimensions between Kim Kardashian and, and Marilyn Monroe are totally different. I have a page on my website where I write about Marilyn's true size and I demonstrate what her true size actually was just based on the clothing of hers that I own. And my website was crashing for days after the Met Gala because people were trying to get on that page to learn about Marilyn's true size. <laughs> so it was really quite fascinating. Um, oh, that is fascinating. I guess like that brings me on to one of my next questions. Do you feel that this in a way has brought, you know, to look on like the bright side of things, has it brought a new thirst for Marilyn, a new... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Awareness of Marilyn Monroe and like to maybe a younger generation who just kind of saw her as like, you know, a blonde bombshell beforehand, maybe. You know, I definitely think that Marilyn didn't need any help. She's yeah. very much part of <laughs> pop culture today around the world. And her her anything to do with Marilyn sells at auction pretty much for <laughs> just sky high prices. Yeah. And, you know, just she is as I've said in the past, our, our modern day Cleopatra. So I don't necessarily think that she needed any help. Mm -hmm. And I have to wonder if Kim Kardashian had worn a dress by anyone else, would we be having this reaction? I mean, one post of mine on my Facebook page on this topic is almost at a reach of one and a half million people. And that's by far the highest. And for me, I mean, there's only like, you know, a little over 40,000 people that are actually yeah. following on the page. So to think that it has a reach of nearly one and a half million is pretty incredible. And I do have to wonder if it were anybody else, Audrey Hepburn, Elizabeth Taylor, Lucille Ball, you, you name it, uh, Jane Mansfield, would, would the public be having this particular reaction if it were mm -hmm. any other celebrity? That's such a good point. And it yeah. brings me on to actually my last question for you. Um, a lot of what I'm seeing around the conversation around this and leading up to it is that, you know, Kim is like a modern day Marilyn Monroe. You know, she's controversial. She's sexual. She is, you know, debated about like how talented she is. Would we even be having this conversation as highly as we are now if it wasn't even Kim Kardashian wearing that dress? But what do you think of that comparison when people kind of make between Kim and Marilyn? Well, first of all, I want to make it clear that I would be feeling the way that I'm feeling if anybody had worn Marilyn's dress. So yes. this is not about Kim Kardashian. Yeah. I know that there are a lot of people that absolutely love her and there mm -hmm. are people on the other end of the spectrum that feel completely the opposite. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. For me, this is not about her until she posted a photo of her wearing the dress superimposed over Marilyn yes. on the Madison Square Garden stage. That I is the that. thing that I had the biggest reaction to. And 
And then of course, she wore a second gown that was Marilyn's and held her Golden Globe mm-hmm. from 1962. And that's when I started to think, this is getting a little creepy for me. Um, be your own person. Stop, stop trying to steal someone else's identity and stop trying to attach yourself to someone else. Be your own person, right? You've built an empire. You're super rich. You're super famous. You got 310 million followers on Instagram. The last I looked like, you know, the influence there is big. You don't need to attach yourself to somebody else, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't actually think it's fair to do a comparison. I don't even think you can do a comparison because they're two completely different people. Marilyn was a film star. She was a singer. She was a performer. She was an entertainer. Kim Kardashian is not. Mm-hmm. she's a personality mm-hmm. she's an mm-hmm. influencer so I think that you can't even put them in the same category you can't even compare them you can't say that she's a modern day Marilyn Monroe you know yeah. there will never be another Marilyn Monroe um, you can strive to be what Marilyn represented but you know the question is a hundred years from now who's going to be remembered Scott makes some really interesting points when it comes to the actual meaning of a gown and the meaning of that as a piece of art, as a cultural significance and political significance and what it really stands for within American culture. This was not just a famous person's dress. This dress stood for so much and this dress was so unbelievably fragile. I can't help but think like, what would curators or conservators think of people walking down Picasso's down a red carpet um, using them as props in their own publicity stunt. Can you ever really promise there would be no damage to the dress? As Scott said, I don't think we'd be having this conversation if Kim wore anyone else's dress. I think Kim purposely putting herself in the shoes of Marilyn Monroe was a controversial but very particular choice that she made. I knew Instantly, I had to catch up with MJ Corey from Kardashian Colloquium to get her take on this. MJ has an article with Vogue where she recaps three things every week from the Kardashians TV show, but she rose to fame through her amazing analysis of the Kardashians on TikTok and Instagram. It's not my first time speaking and collaborating with MJ, but I was so glad to speak to her on what she thought the cultural significance of Kim wearing this dress was and where it falls within the body of work and cultural significance of the Kardashian complex. So MJ, you have spoken about the comparisons between Marilyn Monroe and Kim Kardashian. Since I followed you, you actually brought it to my attention in the first place. And I'm really interested in getting your take on the cultural significance of Kim wearing the dress and possibly the significance of her wearing it for herself. Um, Right. Kanye West, I'm blanking now on exactly what year it was. I think it might be 2013. He did an interview with The Breakfast Club, which is a popular talk show here in the States, um, where he compared Kim Kardashian to Marilyn Monroe. He said, you know, legacy media, Vanity Fair, they say Kate Upton is Marilyn Monroe, but she's not. We all know Kim is Marilyn Monroe because Marilyn's controversial. Kim is controversial. Um, his use of the word controversial is kind of interesting because there are different accounts really on how Marilyn was viewed at the time. Like you'll see a lot of things that say she was always beloved and she was epic and an icon, you know, a living icon at the time. Um, there's also evidence that she was a little controversial, like 
Laurence Olivier called her like a self-entitled tart or something like that. Mm -hmm. And um, there was, you know, the stigma of the alleged affair with JFK. Um, so what I would say, and I think what Kanye was hitting on and what's amazing is that he said this in 2013 is that Kim hadn't been um, accepted into establishment media at all yet. Paparazzi, his point was that paparazzi was reproducing her image again and mm -hmm. again. The masses were consuming her, but she wasn't being let in. Eventually she was. Um, but Marilyn was known, especially after death, as the most photographed woman in the world. And we all know now that that is probably a title that Kim can now claim mm -hmm. um, because she represents the new media landscape, social media that we all live in today now. So my sister and I were talking about it because there was a lot of conversation on TikTok about how Britney Spears is actually Marilyn Monroe. And so my sister gets credit for this one. She said the story of Britney and Marilyn are shared. Their narratives are more, more alike. Like yeah. Kim isn't tragic. Kim isn't like this, you know, soft, romantic, vulnerable, early death, kind of tragic, iconic Hollywood figure. But the cultural significance of Kim is more akin to Marilyn. Um, so the representation element is very, very salient. So wearing the dress in general has been so controversial as you just touched on, right? And I think you know, we can probably take it that this was planned. The Kardashians knew this would be controversial. Um, and I think they knew specifically Kim wearing the dress is more controversial than if anyone else wore it. Do you think that this could be one of Kim's best publicity stunts? Because I feel that it is, it was so well crafted. She usually turns up and turns it out at the Met Gala. Like, there really has been very few looks of hers, maybe barred the like pregnancy, full gloved uh, <laughs> rose outfit. But even then, that was quite iconic. This to me was like she kind of took a hit for the glam, for the controversy, which is interesting when you think of Kim because she usually would always put her like aesthetic first. Well, I so in terms of just like an analysis of the look itself, I really feel strongly that Kim, as she did last year as well with the all black outfit. Um, she understood her role as a mannequin. She did the just sleek back, like neutral colored hair. Her tan was very neutral. Like she delivered as a mannequin kind of to emphasize the dress, perhaps to troll us even more. Um, like it's all about the dress, but also mm -hmm. to kind of, um, in a way, like exemplify her own mythology as a walking, living mannequin muse. Um, and to honor the kind of honor, if you want to put it that way, people feel like she dishonored the dress, but um, the archival nature of what she was wearing. Um, so in terms of how she presented the look, I thought that it was pretty ingenious. And then the controversy that it incited was, I agree with you, probably one of her most effective publicity stunts. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what people were responding to, this is what I compared it to in my TikToks and my analyses, is Walter Benheim's The Work of Art in the Age of Mechanical Reproduction. So that was a 1932, I'm pretty sure, essay about aura and how as um, society continued to modernize and industrialize, we had the means to reproduce art more. So mm. what does it do when things are constantly reproduced more and more to the actual aura of an initial, the original work of art? And it's basically, it is Marxist analysis and it gets into like, you know, art studies and art history and that would be a deeper conversation for us to have. But I do think that people that are excited about this, angry about this, um, whatever side you fall on it, I don't fall on a side, actually. I'm I feel, I don't 
necessarily care, but I'm intellectually curious about it. It tells us about this culture of reproduction that we live in. Yeah. Especially when you look at the likes of memes and how important that is now for getting across like news and you know sometimes you find out like you know the plot of an entire movie in memes before you've seen it and the memes are actually like really essential in a lot of PR now like and you can see they've almost become meme themselves because like a lot of uh like PR agencies and stuff have caught on and they're like kind of making these like very purpose-made memes that don't quite hit like the way the you know the old school ones do or the ones that are made like more grassroots and that kind of reminds me of you know Kim doing the replication of Marilyn Monroe and it leads me on to my next question I found it really interesting um that she didn't wear a replica um and that she also she really dedicated herself and it's been again controversial to this like drastic weight loss again she didn't wear a wig she bleached her hair apparently it was like a 14 hour bleaching session how like significant do you think it is like symbolically for her to have actually become a Marilyn in a way rather than wearing her hair black and just wearing a replica of the dress or you know even a blonde wig like it definitely seemed to be like a holistic process to me no uh, well that's exactly it that is why I went right to Walter Benheim who by the way I'm just going to own it right now was I was I, I read his work as a reader of it but I found out I was calling him Walter, Walter Benjamin early <laughs> than how I was doing it online for a while but that's what happens when you get your vocabulary from reading so I'm I'm not too sorry about it but but that's why I'm so interested in that particular work because I think Kim really understood and there's an irony to it because she is the model, the representation of this culture of reproduction. She was the person that popularized selfies. She's been constantly memed. She's really in that culture of what something's true or does it even exist anymore? So for her to wear Marilyn Monroe's dress and not a replica, even though she changed into one later, mm-hmm. but the big drama was when she wore the original and did the bleaching and not the wig. Um, she was like reveling in aura, co-opting yeah. aura. Um, so really powerful. I think that's why it's so emotional for people. And then I guess I'll say something kind of controversial, but like, all right, I'm going to go for it. Say something controversial. I do think some of the Marilyn impersonators and fans are also mad because they didn't get to wear it. I think so too. And I think that like, that's part of it. Like, I think that there's so much of this when you think about it in terms of like memes and, you know, all of, and like, I know you're, um, you talk a lot about like symbolism online and like replica and replications and it all goes into that. And that's also essential when you talk about the Kardashians, because it is this whole like idea of, well, they're not worthy of anything, but then they consistently put themselves in the position of doing what people say they're not worth of doing. And the content that spawns from it is in my mind, part of the PR around it. They know that there's going to be TikToks and there's going to be articles and that's what makes it like iconic in their own right. And to me, like Kim's looks, like finally just to touch on, like Kim's looks are never just looks to me. And I think that's why it's so interesting. The way she presents herself visually um, is always kind of a marking of an era. Like when you think of when she started wearing a lot of Balmain, when she first got with Kanye West, that was like a moment of her in Paris. Then there was like Yeezy when she started to like only wear Yeezy. And that was kind of in the height of her um, marriage to Kanye West. Do you think that the post Marilyn look Kim is going to be a marking of an era? Like I noticed she's kept the blonde hair. It 
it's interesting to me when I'm looking at like also her uh, relationship with Pete Davidson. Like she's definitely gone for this like skinny little white boy. Now she's kind of leaning into more like what would be considered white aesthetics with this bleach blonde hair. Of course, it's not her first time with bleach blonde hair, but it, it all seems very important to me or part of a marking of an era. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so I'm doing these recaps for Vogue and in the last episode or the second to last episode. Now there was a lot of emphasis on, I think the episode was called like, who is Kim K? Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of emphasis on, and it started with Madonna texted Kim happy birthday. And as we know, Madonna was actually the predecessor for Kim to, uh, you know, imitate or pay homage to Marilyn. So Mm -hmm. this is also like a lineage of icons reproducing one another. Um, and that whole episode, it's like, they almost hit you over the head with it. Like Kim is asking, who am I after Kanye? What is my style after Kanye? So she really pushes this idea, which I think is just true in the moment that we live in, that fashion is, you know, really entwined, especially when you're trying to be an icon or are an icon with identity um, and with, well, with persona. Um, so for sure, I don't know what the next chapter holds, but it's created this sense of anticipation of like, what's next when we turn the page. Um, and Kim will always be expressing herself visually because she's a mannequin. It's like, what's the next era going to be? And most icons have that when you look back, unless their lives are cut short, like with Marilyn, you know, Madonna, Cher, it's their, their eras are really visually bookmarked um and I think also when you look at it as her being a mannequin and she was Kanye's mannequin for so long and before that she wasn't really hitting anything aesthetically wise you know she was definitely trying and there's I think there's a really old episode of the Kardashians where she first gets with Kanye and he comes in he's like throwing out all this stuff in her closet and you kind of do see her her closet was chaotic and you can see how she would have that you know it is a very typical thing as well from I think you made this point on your TikTok or Instagram that you know after a relationship everyone feels that way like who am I but when she was being dressed and like her entire being was in a way being like just aestheticized by someone else it's interesting now that like her first I know she said a few red carpets but the Met Gala is so big and it was always a thing that I mean I'm pretty sure Kanye got her the invite to the first one it's obviously run by uh, Vogue on a wind tour so for her to turn up to that dressed in something so iconic like the Marilyn dress you can't help but think like there's symbolism within that there has to be an importance of it being Marilyn it wasn't Audrey Hepburn's dress it wasn't someone else's dress it was Marilyn Monroe and I think that that you know she knew what she was doing there is a this is a year of really big stuff with her like it's all been like high high scale like statements and so one thing I I'm kind of proud of this one. One thing I predicted when I found out she was going to be hosting SNL was after SNL is when she's going to start really detaching from Kanye. That's like her assertion of independence. And then they literally like had that work into the narrative of the episode about SNL. Mm -hmm. So I agree that this is going to be now like whatever the Kim K fashion statement moment will be. Um, And one thing I've always found interesting back to that theory of her as a mannequin is that her first claim or stake into the fashion world has been shapewear it's been like the the underlying basis like the compression of all of it and it's been neutrals so how is she going to build out on that um if she tries to i think she might we'll see mm-hmm. but I, but she she's always been it's interesting the maryland discourse is so much about how dare she feel so entitled to do something like this to take something so iconic but then and it's true but then at the same time kim is always kind of like 
known that there's power in knowing her place. So she's always said, like, I was chaotic and had, you know, Kanye Kanye gave me my style. And she goes back to the basics and kind of like says where she gets, she she announces herself as a a muse to avail herself to someone else's vision. So it's this interesting thing of being in neutrals, neutrality, but then also taking those risks. So there you have it, two different perspectives of the Marilyn Monroe and Kim Kardashian controversy that we have seen play out in the media and in the kind of art world, really, over the last month. I think it has brought up so many really interesting questions around fashion and art and how important it is to conserve these pieces of iconography or is it important to give them a new lease of life and does it pay homage to a star for someone else to wear it? Or is it a disrespect for them? You let me know what you think. Let me know what you think about the comparisons, the direct comparisons between Marlon and Kim. Do you think they are comparable? Or do you think that they are their own women in their own time living very separate lives? I know why Kim wanted to wear that dress. That is what I have landed on. I know why she wanted the Marilyn parallel. I totally get it. But I also can see why collectors and people who the dress holds other significant importances to are kind of disgusted in seeing something that is so fragile and so one of a kind being paraded down this red carpet for everyone to see. Let me know what you think. Until next time, I will talk to you all very soon.